What's up, boys and girls? This is episode number 37 with catcher in the Miami Marlins organization, Jared Reinflesh. In this episode, we, of course, go over a ton of catching material. Uh, Jared takes us through some certain drills to do if you want to improve as a catcher, uh, how to handle pitchers throughout the course of the game, what adjustments to make during a game. Um, Jared actually started out as a pitcher and transitioned to behind the dish back in high school. So some pretty cool stories he uh, he shares with you guys, and and it's a pretty awesome interview. So make sure to also go over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. That would be huge. And here we go. Welcome to Patrick Jones Baseball. I am Patrick Jones, former professional baseball player and host of this podcast. My day job is a podcaster and my night job is a baseball instructor. I am currently giving hitting and pitching lessons for all ages. If interested, please email me at jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode and let's get to work. We are now here with Jared Reinflesh, catcher in the Miami Marlins organization. Jared, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. How are you? Um, Living the dream, dude. I mean, a little too cold for me right now in Cincy, but besides that, I can't complain. Went to the Xavier game uh, last night. They played St. John's. Nice little sellout. Um, I know you said you're going to the Cavs game yep. later on today. Yep, Got the magic. Later. Um, what, what kind of hobbies do you like to do in the offseason? Get away from baseball. Um, you know, I get home. Um, this off season was actually a little bit different. Uh, I was getting married in November, so that kind of changed yeah. changed the off season plans a little bit. But you know, I like to golf. Um, not very good at it, but there's really nothing better than getting out on the golf course with uh-huh. a couple couple buddies. You know, maybe my dad, brother, um, high school friends. Um, I'm a big reader. I was an English major in high school. Oh, really? Or college? I didn't so, know that. So yeah, I, I read a lot, and then definitely video games a lot of books so like what kind of books do you like to read um you know some sports books um but mostly like military um kind of like lone survivor yeah um stuff like that did you so, ever think about being in the military if baseball wasn't um you know growing up i kind of wanted to but you know mom mom kind of yeah. kind of shot that down dude but, i i always like when i always used to watch or not used to when i always watch those like movies of like dudes like trying to like save people's lives i'd always think that'd be so cool and then but i know like in a real life situation like it's a different ball game yeah i don't know you know i'm gonna hopefully stick to baseball but i, I mean I, I like to consider myself a tough guy but yeah the stuff they go through i'm uh i'm not sure if i'm quite fit right. for that but what what kind of video games do you like to play um big show guy okay. 2k madden call of duty um Kind of sports games other than Call of Duty. Yeah. Um, but I kind of stick to the sports games for the most part. And then you got – I remember you saying the other day you guys got a bunch of buddies or you have a bunch of buddies who come over and you guys like do a little 2K tournament sometimes. Yeah, too. so actually we uh, we do that online. Oh, um, okay. With a couple couple college guys and then really kind of you know network out from there, try to get enough guys to where it's, it's worth our while, but – it's just good to kind of you know create a little party, catch up with everybody that you don't get to see a whole lot, and you know get a little competition going. Yeah, so. I feel you. Let's start. Let's start get into your career a little bit as a baseball player. So coming out of high school, 
you ended up signing to go to Ball State. You weren't really highly touted coming out of high school. Like I guess probably majority of people wouldn't expect you to be a top ten round pick coming out of college, right? No. Um, you know, would you even have expect? Would you have expected that? Honestly, no. Honestly, okay. no. Um, it kind of started out. I was actually a pitcher um, in high school, and I was a big, big football guy and big wrestler. Baseball was kind of the third sport that you know it was just something to do in the summer, keep me busy. And you know, I liked it, but. I was always like, I always loved football. I always loved wrestling. And, you know, three, three, four weeks before tryouts, my sophomore year, head coach walked up and he's like, hey, you know, we need you to catch. And it was like, you know, is this guy crazy? Like, I've never really caught before. Um, so I ended up catching and that year we won the state championship. So, Damn. you know, it was kind of, it was kind of big. It got my confidence rolling. Um, I ended up talking to a couple couple Mac schools. Toledo uh, was the big one, and that's when I really knew, like, okay, you know, baseball can can kind of take me to college. Um, and then my junior year, like the f- first or second game, I ended up breaking my hip, and that kind of put I kind of put a little doubt doubt in my head as far as college wise. Yeah, I can imagine. So I wasn't really sure because I mean, as well now it's the recruiting happens so early, but. Back then, it was more, you know, junior year is the big year. That's your big summer. Right. That's where you're going to get most of your offers. Um, so I missed the whole high school season and ended up playing in the summer. Um, and that's kind of when Ball State, you know, came along. And I wasn't a huge fan of Ball State at the beginning, honestly. Um, I thought I was going to go to Miami. I liked how close it was to home. Um, big family guy. So that that was really, like... That was kind of what I what I wanted, and went on a visit to Ball State. And you know, my parents always said during the recruiting process that you know, you're going to get to a school and it's going to wow you, and you're going to be like, "Wow, like that's yeah, that's where you need to be." And I remember walking down from the coach's office and getting in my dad's car, and I looked around to my parents, and I was like, "This is it." Um, but the head coach there, Rich Maloney, he kind of put the vision in my head of you know, you have some tools. They're raw right now, you know. We need to get you in better shape. I was kind of a little, little chubby in high school. Um, <laughs> hey, catcher, man, catcher life. Yeah, um, and he kind of put that vision in my head really that day. Of you know, you have a chance to be pretty good at this. Like you're gonna have a chance to play as a freshman. Let's see what happens. Which is rare as a catcher. Yeah. Did, yeah. So did you did you DH or did you catch right away? As um, a well, so I went into that fall and. You know, it was about 50-50, ended up hurting my back in the weight room. Um, so I, I pretty much had the job won until I got hurt. And then about two weeks before opening day, they cleared me to go. So the coach kind of sat me and the other kid down, and he's like, hey, listen, we're going to go 50-50 until someone wins the job. And I think around the third week, I kind of took over, and the rest is it. I mean, yeah. caught caught the remaining days at, at Ball State. So Why is being a catcher so so difficult? from high school to college because you see a lot, of, a lot of not very many catchers really play very much as a freshman um why why is that what's that transition like you know in high school you've got a, a good high school team really has one dominant pitcher that's pretty good but you know even he doesn't go to a huge school yeah so you go to a you go to college and it's not like you're catching with or catching 17 18 year old guys anymore you're catching some dudes that are 24, red shirt guys, um, 
21, 22-year-olds. You know, they've matured. So the velo's different. Obviously, you know, the breaking ball's a little bit different. So it just takes a little bit, honestly, to get used to. Um, but I think a big a big step towards college for me was playing with Midland Redskins. So I got to see some velo. I got to see, like, some of the top guys in the country. Um, so that was a big step that kind of – it got me ready. So, you know, I remember we got off the plane – for Connie Mack, we got back to Ohio, and I think I had like 12 hours, and I was off to college. And then wow. fall ball started a week later. So, you know, that was a huge step for me. That kind of built my confidence. It kind of said, you know, I'm catching all these guys that are going to SEC schools right. and all these big schools. Like, you know, I can do this. And, you know, really the confidence is the key. You know, I've been watching almost every podcast you do, and a lot of guys talk in some way. They might not use confidence, but – you know, if you don't have confidence, you're not going to succeed. And at the end of the day, it's about confidence. And I think that was that was a big step for me that that gave me the confidence to get to where I needed to go. I've yet to talk to uh, or meet a big leaguer who not they're not like cocky. I don't want to say cocky or arrogant, but they just like uh, they don't believe like they're better than you. They just believe that they can get the job done. Yeah, I mean that's, that's the type of confidence. We were actually we were I mean we were just having this talk with Riley Mahan, and you know at the end of the day mechanics go out the door um you know you've put in the work but when you step in that box like you honestly have to believe it doesn't matter who's on the mound that you know i'm better than you right now and it's not like you know you're a better guy or yeah (laughs) yeah you might not even be better than the guy you know he might be an all-star but if that doubt creeps into your mind you're beat um so just you know kind of fake it till you make it dude i love that and then you were so your freshman year you were also also a freshman all-american right so obviously it didn't take you very much time to get adjusted to the pitching as a hitter um so okay you know a lot of guys they want to talk mechanics yeah and you kind of start swimming when you talk mechanics kind of messes messes with your mind and uh you know i really didn't have too much hitting background so i was just up there competing you know, I'm better hitting than background you. as in like mechanics. Like as you didn't in know like, what you're doing. I never really had a hitting coach. Okay. I never really put a whole lot of time into hitting just because I was so new. You know, junior year I got hurt. Um, so for me, it wasn't really. It was almost like I didn't really know what I was doing at the plate. I was just trying to hit the ball. Yeah. You know, and it kind of worked our freshman year. And something that really also helped our freshman year, we had the head coach. I was a part of his first recruiting class. So we actually started seven freshmen almost every day. Um, so, you know, I think we had three freshmen All-American on that oh, team. Wow. So we were surrounded with a good group of guys that were kind of figuring out together, which made it a lot easier. Um, but, yeah, I was just kind of up there competing. And, you know, when I get in trouble, it's kind of what I try to fall back to. So, How has your swing evolved? Because um, I remember you were saying not earlier how you struggled your sophomore year a little bit. Um how do you get yourself back on track? Because pro ball is a lot of struggle even more in college. Yeah, I mean, I think you just, you know, you got to be confident with who you are. You know, I know that. Do you watch video of mechanics? Um, Of your mechanics? I do. I'm not really breaking down everything per se. I know that, you know, when I hit, I'm focusing on my hips and my hands. So when I watch video, it's like, okay, are my hands getting into a good position? Are they getting to where, you know, they've been in the past where I'm successful. So it's really, it's not really like I'm watching the swing. I'm watching, okay, my hands got there. Good. Um, and probably the best piece of advice that I've learned for hitters and every high school kid, every college kid, every 
youth ball kid, you know, that I talk to is everyone wants to freak out when they go 0 for 10 and they want to change their swing. But the big thing is, you know, was it a strike that you swung at? Because if it wasn't a strike, the swing's not going to look good. And where are you on time? Because if you're not on time, you know, you're going to have to overcompensate somewhere. The swing's going to break down. If it's not a strike, the swing's going to break down. And that's really the two things that I really try to focus on before I look at mechanics is that when I'm going bad, you know, I'm either really late or I'm swinging it pitches out of the zone. Um, so that goes back to your original question of how do I get myself locked back in is start focusing on, you know, get my pitch and be on time. That's such a good point because we're in such an era where, like, swing mechanics and get the ball in the air is so huge. And I think you could have the greatest mechanics of all time. If you're swinging at balls in the dirt, you're not going to hit it. You're not going to hit it. And the swing's going to look bad. It can look as good as it it can in BP when, you know, guys throwing it right over the middle. But if you're swinging at stuff in the dirt, Swing's gonna look pretty ugly in the game, right? So, so once you got you got drafted ninth round, right? Yep. By the Marlins, um, you ended up going to short season. That yeah, I went to I went to rookie ball, played a couple games in rookie ball, and then got sent to good old Batavia, New York. Wow, never um, never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. <laughs> um, no, it's not bad. Uh, well, it is bad, but you know. It is what it is. It's kind of a an eye open experience. So okay, this so is I've, what the I've minor heard that, is about. That catching in pro ball, like that's a good way to get moved up through the system pretty quickly and get to the big leagues. And your experience, have you seen that for with other guys? Um being in the Marlins organization, honestly, this was my first full year. I haven't seen a whole lot of it, but I've heard kind of stories about it to where, you know, once everything kinda of clicks, it's either, you know, you're up there or you're done. So, you know, everyone keeps saying catching is the biggest way to the, or fastest way to the big leagues besides pitching. But I, I think it's true just because, you know, there's not a lot of guys that can do it on an everyday basis. It's it's a mental and it's a it's a huge it's a grind, physical yeah. grind, um, you know, to be locked in every single pitch and to really, you know, to get it done back there. Do you focus more on your defense or your hitting during the season? Um, I think defense kind of comes more naturally to me. So we do we do defensive work every day. Like I'm focused on my defense, but I'm more I'm more locked in on my swing. I would say. Okay. And then when it comes to like mechanics from a catching perspective, what would you say some of the the key things for you to being a really good defensive catcher are? Um, you know, getting recruited to college it's like okay do you have arm strength yeah. you know college coaches love arm strength which you know once you get to the pro ball everybody. everybody can throw the baseball you know there's really not much difference between the top guy and the bottom guy if you can't throw you're not going to be there so arm strength kind of falls lower on the totem pole when you get to pro ball um blocking and receiving you know i've always had kind of the knack to block um it's just kind of in my nature is that um, is that just more of a tough thing, like just wanting to block the ball? I've never caught in my life, so I, I don't know. A lot of people who are listening might not know either. Is that just like, okay, you know the ball's in the dirt, like I'm going to do everything, I, like the ball ain't get by me? Yeah, I mean, you really turn into kind of a hockey goalie. Just stop the baseball, you know. And that's that's one thing I try to stress to, to younger kids, to my lessons, is, you know, you see me do some catching lessons. You know, the drill work we do 
the dry work where, you know, we set the baseballs up in front and they're practicing their mechanics. Um, and then I'm, I scoop back a little bit and I'm just flipping balls in there. Like you're doing the work. Your body is like, you're creating that little muscle memory. So like in the game, off the machine, whatever, just react, um, see the ball and react. How many time? how many pitches should they be like working on blocking? Cause I see you out there with machine with some of your kids putting in, doing some different stuff. I mean, is there like 30, 40 pitches? Like how many pitches are you throwing in the dirt to work on it? Um, You know, it it varies. Some kids, you know, they'll come in and, you know, I'm working with a lot of high school guys that are really trying to figure out their bodies to where, you know, one day they'll come in, we'll do one or two rounds, and they look really good. Um, And, you know, you're locked in. Let's move on to something else. And then the next day, They'll come in and it looks like, you know, they yeah. completely forgot everything I just said and, <laughs> and they're frustrated and, you know, that's the day where we spend more time on that. So you really, you know, let the kid kind of dictate, you know, how much work we're going to put into one one uh, aspect of the game that day. Is receiving more important than blocking? Because I see, again, I'm just speculating because I see some stuff on on social media. If you see guys, uh, some top-level catchers at the big league level, just framing some pitches that are – pretty incredible yeah um how much do you work on that uh i mean receiving definitely you know i i spend a lot more time doing that than blocking um like like you kind of mentioned before blocking is kind of a mindset you know it's more of a reaction um to where i know what i'm looking for out of the pitcher's hand so like i can know as soon as it leaves his hand i'm blocking this ball um so that's kind of comes naturally that's a reaction receiving you know that's where kind of the art comes in to where, okay, you know, there's a hundred different catching philosophies, whether you're going to roll it over, work the thumb under, whatever. Um, trying to figure out, okay, what's most consistent, what's going to work for me. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that I still t- tweak with every day. Um, Is it soft hands? Is that the main? Um, soft Are you hands? trying to like, like stick it more than anything? So, you know the way the way we talk about in the minor league or the Marlins organization is you know you're trying to fool the guy behind you. Um, so whatever you have to do, some days you know you get one umpire, you might have to catch one way, and then if that's not working for for that for the next guy, then you know try something new because the pitchers really can't afford you know to miss those pitches. Um, so just kind of tweaking things every day, trying to clean it up to where it looks natural. It looks like I'm not doing much with the pitch, but, you know, in reality, I'm taking that ball that's right below the knees and fooling the guy behind me so it's a strike. Speaking of the guy behind you, are you trying to sweet-talk him a little bit during the game? So I'm always oh, interested oh, okay. to hear this. No, no. So, so the, way, the way I've been taught, um, and this is kind of the same. I actually was pretty fortunate um, – my manager this past year was a 15-year big leaguer, Todd Pratt. Wow. Um, he won won a couple World Series. Um, he unfortunately was a backup most of his career. The guy who was in front of him was always an all-star. <laughs> so he backed up Mike Piazza and, and a lot of other big-name guys. Um, but I learned a lot from him, and he kind of broke it down in the most simplistic way. Is He said, you know, the first three innings, get a feel for him. So talk to him, you know. He misses a pitch that he thinks a strike, but like, hey, where'd you have that? All right, so try to get a feel for him. The The second three innings, so four, five, six, you know, start kind of pushing back. Like, hey, man, you know, 
we've been talking for three innings. You know, you're saying if I do this, you're saying if he gets it here, like he's getting it there and you're still not calling a strike, let's go, right? Well, then the last three innings, it's kind of like he misses a pitch, you got to let him know. And you're kind of getting after him, kind of saying, you know, my big thing is I can block. So my goal is, you know, we have the same set of umpires. So we see the same guys all the time. Okay. So don't let that guy get hit. Whatever I can do, you know, if they spike a fastball, throw my shoulder out there. Don't let this guy get hit. So at the end of the day, I can be like, man, you know, I'm working hard for you. I'm keeping stuff off you. Like, help me out here. Yeah. Like, I'm sticking this pitch, you know. Obviously, the pitcher, you know, he thinks it's a striker. He wouldn't be acting the way he did. And we wouldn't be, like, we wouldn't still be throwing it there. Um, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely, and that's an art of itself, is trying to learn how to talk to those guys and really how to, you know, there are some guys, big ego guys that, you know, going after them isn't going to do you any good. So you're just going to have to suck it up and tell them exactly what they want to hear, try to be as, as buddy-buddy as you can, just try to steal a couple strikes throughout the game. Have you ever told an umpire, hey, like, I'm working hard back here right now to block some balls, but you don't start giving me some of these pitches, I'm, I might, you know, get a little sore in my back. I might not be busting out over, everywhere blocking everything. I definitely haven't said that to an umpire. But you thought it. Have you done it? But it's probably happened a couple times, you know, <laughs> where, you know, it gets late in the game and he's uh, he hasn't been too nice about a couple calls where you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw my body in front of that 98 mile hour fastball that just bounced at 50 feet. I might you know get out of the way and if it hits him, you know, so be it. Yeah. I also want to talk a little bit about handling pitchers. So. How many times throughout your career have you called for a pitch, like a curveball, dude throws a fastball, or vice versa? And how do you handle that? Because I know they always, always from what I've heard, again, never playing catcher, is I've seen guys show up the pitcher when that happens, like throw their hands up, because it makes you look bad. Yeah, right? you know, you got to know, you got to know who's on the mound. Um, so college, you know, you have a system that you're working through the fall, through the winter, to where like if you get crossed up in college, you know, it's kind of frustrating because, you know, you're working the same thing. Um, so that's kind of more where I'm not necessarily going to show the guy up. But I'm going to walk out there and be like, hey, dude, lock it in. Because a lot of times it's a lack of focus. It's, you know, stuff's going bad. Yeah. He just walked two guys. That's why a guy's on second. And he's letting that get to his head. And that's why I just got hit in the chest with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh-huh. Um, pro ball. You know, they try to keep it as simple as possible as far as signs because, you know, you can have a three new pitchers the next day. Um, so it's a little bit more understanding when you can see, like, you know, that guy's locked in. I don't really know him yet. You know, he could have just, you know, he messed up the signs. Right. Um, so it's a little bit more understanding. But where we really see it in pro ball is with, with some of the Latin guys just because of the language barrier. Um, for instance, we had – it was my first year, and we kept saying, you know, the sign after two. So for, in our language, you know, that's normal, and I'm, that people know, like, you know, I'm talking about after I lay down the first two, that sign's hot. Yeah. Well, he thought I'm saying it's the third sign. It's the sign after the second sign I give. So, you know, this guy was throwing pretty hard, and, we're rolling, we're rolling, and the guy finally gets on second base, and 
three pitches later I'm wearing one right in the mask and I'm uh, like, holy moly. But what are you gonna do? Like yeah. you know, he's not doing it on purpose, hopefully. <laughs> and, you know, you just gotta work through that language barrier and that's just that's just part of that's part of learning, that's part of development and you just kinda get through it together. Does it ever get to a point where like with a Latin guy you're like, Okay, we're gonna we're not missing signs anymore. One's fastballs, two curve, three change up, period. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a lot of those guys, they're 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 smart dudes. Like it, they just you the language barrier. You're like you trying to go play, and yeah, yeah it, it's it's not like you know they don't understand what's going on. They just it the the message gets lost. So something that we have and that most I mean most teams have is someone in the infield probably knows Spanish. So when I go out there and we're talking, you know, bring a translator with you. Right. So make sure you're on the same page. So it's not really you know we don't really make the signs any easier it's you know get someone out there so the message can be can be transferred and we can get on the same page and get rolling have you ever had experience or have you ever experienced a lot of guys on second base stealing signs and being successful or because i've seen some pitchers get pretty pissed yeah it's not i don't think it's as i don't think it happens as much as people think i mean it definitely does happen but you know you've been on second base in a night game tough to see it's tough to see i mean how many pitchers have trouble seeing the catcher signs right so we play almost every game at night to where you know they might be doing something to make to make me think that they didn't have the signs but you know when the guy just swung at a 50 foot breaking ball like obviously you don't have the signs right so you you gotta kind of be smart there are guys you know the the league I was in last year, it's a lot of college guys. So, you know, you know some guys from college you might have played with in the summer and, you know, you mess around. So there'll be a guy at second to where, you know, he'll be trying to do something to make it seem like he has the signs and, you know, pop flat in the inning, he runs by me and I'm like, dude, come on. I know you don't have the signs right now. Like Yeah. Our pitcher can't even see me. Like, <laughs> come on, give me a break. But, you know, that's part of the game. That's part of uh it's part of just having fun. When know? is it acceptable to hit a hit a hitter, right? Give a sign, and is the sign usually like the middle finger? Like out of the- um, honestly, it it can be, but usually, you know, if I stare at the pitcher, and I'm like, you know, I just kind of give him that look. I'm not even laying a sign down. Really? Um, but you know, it's it's definitely needed at times. You know, someone gets a little too comfortable in the box. Um, and it's not even, you know, we're trying to hit this guy. It's, it's we're trying to, you know, if you're not comfortable in the box, you're not going to hit. So we might be coming in off just to get you off the plate to move your feet, and it might hit you, which is, you know, that's part of the game. Right. Um, but definitely, you know, you get some guys that, that want to run their mouth a little bit, show up the pitcher, like they're down 10 runs, and this dude hits a no-doubt home run yeah. and he wants to walk to first base. It's like, you know. We're not going to hit you right now because we want to get out of here and go, you know, have a couple of pops in the <laughs> in the clubhouse. But tomorrow, like, you know, we're going to remember this, right? And a three game series, yeah. So, and it's it's a three game series, but there's also only eight teams, so you're going to see them next week, anyways. Right. Um, so, you know, there's a time. There's definitely a time to do it. Um, you know, try to get got to got to get the dugout fired up. Maybe down down late you know momentum switched a little bit get the dugout fired up get everybody get everybody going but um we try to stay away from as much as possible i mean that's the last thing you want is one of my buddies you know 
we kind of got chirping and he got hit with a pitch and ended up ending his career. Whoa. So you you want to stay away from that. Um, you don't. I mean, you don't want to ruin some guy's career um, by being by just hitting them to hit them. Yeah, being you know? emotional. Right? Yeah, that brings me on to my next thing. Pitchers, whether they're starting, pitching once every five days, or relievers, I get it. They're not hitting every day. So when they do fail, it's like they. I'm sure they know in the back of their mind, like, gotta wait four more days to prove myself wrong, or you know, to, to prove everyone wrong and get back out there. How do you handle pitchers when they're struggling on the mound? Um. So I actually I went to Ball State yesterday and had this talk with the pitchers and catchers. And you know, growing up, everyone always told me that. You know, there's going to be one guy that you kind of have to kick in the rear and get him going. And then the next guy, you know, you're going to have to go out and coddle him. Next guy, you're going to have to go out and joke with him. And the more I play, the more I find out that it's true in a way, but at the same time, it's not. So a big thing for me is knowing my pitchers, getting to know them on a personal level, getting to know their personality. So, you know, if they're having a bad day and they say something out of the ordinary – you know, it might that might be a, a guy that I typically have to kick in the rear and be like, "Hey, let's go." But reading him that day to where you know something went on outside of baseball to where this guy's not having a great day, that's probably not the best time to go out there and chew him. Yeah. You know, so it's more, you know, figuring out how to deal with each guy, reading their emotions that day, reading what what's going through their mind. Um, from really pitch to pitch and you know some guys it'll be they'll be locked in for three innings and they'll lose it and one day you know they're they're like they're frustrated out there you got to go calm them down and then the next outing same thing happens and they just look like they don't care um so you got to treat each situation differently you got to know your pitchers um which can be tough you know you get a new guy that just flew in the morning of that game and they throw him in the game and he's acting like a nut job out there and you're like, Oh dude, I don't, you know, you gotta go figure him out. And that, but that's also part of the learning is, you know, so I go out there and I do, you know, whatever I can, whatever I think's best at that time. If he takes it well, then I'm like, okay, I figured this guy out. If he doesn't take it well, it's like, okay, I still figured you out. Like, you know, it might not have been what helped you today, but I got you. Do you ever get mad at pitchers for shaking you off? Um, no, not really. Um, you know, at this level, it's it's their career, you know. But and do you get blamed for if they get knocked around? By like- some some guys, honestly, they'll they'll be like, you know, I shook, and they'll have my back, and that's kind of where the trust comes in. To where like, if you have a good relationship with your pitchers, they're gonna they're gonna take the heat, you know. They're gonna they're gonna come in the dugout when I'm getting chewed out and be like, you know, that's on me. Yeah, and that's something that that really I I've have been fortunate enough to have is I've had really good relationships with all my pitchers throughout college throughout pro ball um you know guys like throwing to me and so in situations like that like you know there's times where he shook off and i know in the back of my mind i probably should have called time and taken a trip so i'll wear it and i'll be like dude don't worry about it like i got it yeah but then there's times where he'll walk in and be like dude i like you know coach i did it i shook off i shook off twice you know he came out to the mound we talked about it you know i just thought it was the best pitch there and that's that's part of development it's yeah you know, lower levels, guys are going to fail. Guys are going to get hit. What's your philosophy on what pitches to call, right? I'm stepping up in the box. You don't know me from 
you know, I just I just got in that day or whatever. Are you are you you know starting hard in soft away? I mean, what's your philosophy on on what pitches to call? For? Yeah, I mean, so the big thing is sticking with the pitcher's strengths. You know, it doesn't matter who you're facing if it's Miguel Cabrera or Mike Trout, right? They haven't faced this guy, so stick with their pitcher strengths. Don't be scared and end up throwing a breaking ball if this guy doesn't have a really good breaking ball. If he can run his fastball up there, like let Mike Trout prove he can hit it. Yeah, you know, most likely he's. Probably he probably gonna, can. He's probably going to get a hold of it. <laughs> but let him prove that he can hit it. And kind of, you know, not giving up at-bats, but you're getting research. So like I said, you know, you're playing the same teams over and over and over. So like the first time, you know, pitch with their fastball. See what see what they can do with their fastball. And then let the game plan change from there. Um, but another thing is like we have a lot of film on guys, especially towards, you know, middle of the season. Um, even if it's not against us, we can get film of just them in general. Um, so you can kind of see swing flaws, but the one thing that I've learned is, you know, you don't want to take away from your pitcher's strengths just because that guy has a flaw. Um, there's a time and a place to do it. Um, we are we are actually I caught TJ Weir this morning. He's double A with the Padres and big league. He got uh, yeah. he, he's a big league big league invite this year for spring training. And uh, we were kind of having that conversation this morning, and you know, he's like, "There's a time and a place to where, you know, I'm going to try to trick this guy because." They know what I have. Yeah. So I'm going to have to think outside the box. But at the same time, there's weeks at a time where I'm just pitching with my strengths. I'm feeling good. And I'm like, hey, you know what? If I'm going down, I'm going down with what I got. And so it's really, you know, trying to learn when the right time to kind of go outside the box. And we were talking about kind of game planning. And, you know, you go in with a game plan, but it might have worked yesterday. That team also has film, so they're making an adjustment, you know. So it's always changing. It's changing from at bat, you know. I might have a sequence in mind to get this kid out, but if we're going fastball away and we miss fastball in, it could still be a strike, but we didn't execute the pitch that we wanted, so I have to work on the fastball in. You know, just because it was a strike doesn't mean I'm like, oh, I'm going to go right back to something that I would have called if it would have been away. So, you know, just learning that, it's not always based on what you wanted. It's based on the actual result. Yeah. So so changing the game plan throughout the at bat, changing the game plan throughout the uh, throughout the inning, um, throughout the game, throughout the series, really. And you know, at the end of the day, trying to get outs. Are you? Are, do you remember each hitter throughout the game? Like if I come up first at bat, pop up on a curveball or something like that, and the next guy. I mean, I feel like. You got to be pretty smart to be back there. Yeah. I mean, are you are you trying to remember when the ne- when he so, might come up the next time? So the way we kind of did it last year is, you know, minor league ball. You have two pitchers in the stands. Obviously, they're tracking pitches, velo, and like what pitch is being thrown. Um, and then the other two starters. So it's five man rotation. The other two starters are in the dugout, and most of the time they're keeping a chart to where they're no they know exactly what I'm throwing. In what counts. So it's more like, you know, yeah, I try to remember as much as I can, but if I'm like, okay, I've completely, you know, we got this kid out. I was, I was up next. He was the third out of the inning. You know, I completely kind of lost train of thought running to the dugout. How do we get this guy out? I have papers that it's on. So I can go, you know, do some research in the dugout once I get back in there. Oh, so you'll actually look at look at the scouting report. Yeah, yeah. The- so we'll. I mean, we have all that in the dugout. Um, you know, we have what we did yesterday, 
how we got him out yesterday, how we got him out today. And, you know, a lot of times what I do is I have like a little notebook with their roster in there, the game plan for that day, you know, what's been successful against these guys. And I'm not really taking notes as in, okay, this worked, right? If it works, it's going to be blank. But if he makes an adjustment, I'll write the adjustment down. So then, you know, the third day we got that guy and I'm saying, okay, this is the original game plan we had. These are the adjustments he's making. Is he going to go back to his game or is he going to stick with these adjustments? Right. Um, and just picking up on those keys and that kind of dictates, you know, the plan of how we're going to get that guy out. So throughout the season, you have a lot of different pitchers and things like that and different scouting reports. Um, what are some – are there some pitchers who you don't like catching? I mean, obviously, yeah. Yeah, like guys who are just like crazy – you know, Crazy there's wild. there's always guys that are kind of all over the place that it's just, you know, that it's tough to catch. But at the same time with those guys, you know, no one likes to catch those guys. So find something, like I try to find something that I enjoy about catching them to make them feel comfortable. And then, you know, those are actually some of the guys that that I have the best relationships with are the guys that no one else wants to catch. Yeah, You know, spring training, you got 10 mounds. There's 10 guys throwing. Trying to win jobs. And there's 10 catchers, and, like, everybody runs to a to a plate because they don't want to catch this one guy. And I'm like, cool, you know. I'll, I'll figure this guy out. Like, this is now my project, you know. Me and you are going to figure it out together, man. Like, let's get after it. You right. Know? Today you might not throw a single strike. Today you might bounce everything five feet short. But, you know, we're going to figure it out. And that's really something that, you know, that builds his trust. That's how he starts to develop, and now ultimately I'm developing at the same time, trying to figure out how to deal with that. For up-and-coming catchers, specifically this question's for, would you, this kind of goes back to what we were talking a little bit before about calling certain pitches, um, would you say go off the fastball for, for younger for younger catchers coming up, call, call a fastball and then work off speed? Or Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, you know, everyone, what's the first pitch you learn? Fastball. Everybody. Yeah. You know, no one... I just wasn't sure because I know a lot of hitters, yeah, no, no, hitters I, can't hit the curveball. Yeah, no, I got what you're saying. Um, but, you know, no one hands a kid a baseball and is like, here's how, here's how you throw a curveball. Like, you know, you teach him how to throw it first, and it's a fastball. So go with their best pitch. Go with the pitcher's strength. You know, you can teach a curveball whenever, but, you know, at some point that curveball's going to look good to a hitter. Yeah. You know, the older you get, so you might get away with it younger. But, you know, pitch off the fastball – read some swings if the dude's late on a fastball you know there's really no reason to throw him a breaking ball change the location so if he's late on an outside fastball don't go to a breaking ball go to an inside fastball he's going to make an adjustment on the outside pitch so he's still going to be late when you blow him up inside um but i like i said i think the biggest thing that i try to get i help a couple teams in high school let your catchers call the pitches let them call the pitches because, you know, that's how they're going to learn, right? Be in the dugout. So if they get in trouble, you know, they can always look over and you can give them something. But that's how they're going to learn, um, especially in summer ball, you know. You get to the last inning and it's a one-run game and you want to call the pitches because you want to win the game. Like, I'm cool with that. But let the catchers fail. Yeah, I like that. I like you know, that. At the end of every inning, at the end of every game, you know, talk about it. Keep a little chart. Say, hey, man, like this situation, you had the nine-hole hitter up and you threw three breaking balls. Like, yeah. He's a nine-hole hitter. You know, let him hit the fastball. Right. 
Um, but that's how you learn. You learn by failing. And that's, you know, that's the one thing that I try to get across is, you know, we have the chance to fail. Baseball for, for college guys, for high school guys, for for pro guys, you know, everyone looks at failure and they get all worried. And that's like, that adds pressure. We have the chance to fail. You can fail seven out of ten times to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, you go fail twice at a job, you're going to have to find a new job. <laughs> <laughs> right so everyone yeah. you know i had a talk yesterday with a freshman at ball state and he goes you know how do i deal how do i how do i create different moments how do i take each moment as a, as an opportunity and i'm like you know accept the failure and really enjoy the failure because failure is going to be there if you're playing baseball you're going to fail enjoy it learn from it and move on because you know like i said you can't fail in a normal job. You know, you go, you're in a college class and you fail two tests. Good luck. Yeah. You might know, might need to go see your, uh, guidance. Uh, you know what or I mean? Something. Yeah. So enjoy the failures because that's how you're developing. That's how you're going to get better. And at the end of the day, when you're working with high school kids, like they're high school kids. Yeah. They're in high school for a reason. And you know, like we talked about pitchers, there's time to get on them when you know it's like it's a mental lapse. You know, they're not focused, but at the same time, they're going to have a lot of physical errors. And, you know, that's part of it. Help them learn from it. Help them accept failure. And I think that's that's one of the biggest mistakes right now is, you know, coaches get so upset and it's like, you know, it's a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, this is a 15-year-old kid trying to deal with, you know, his body changing high school, whatever. Like, just have fun. Have fun at baseball. Um, Speaking of high school kids, there's this drill I've I've been wanting to actually, actually ask you for a, a few weeks now where I see you stand on a chair and throw a ball down to the catcher. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like I'm up high. Yeah, you're up high. I'm pretty close to him, but up yeah, high. Yeah, like on yeah. a chair, stand so on a chair. That's um, the big thing is, you know, I do a lot with the machine too, is I'll have them move. Like the machine's cranked at 90, and they'll be moving up closer. It's, you know, I'm on top of you. This is uncomfortable. Okay. Get used to being uncomfortable. Gotcha. Right? We have like a saying that. with the Marlins is like, be comfortable being uncomfortable because baseball is an uncomfortable game. You know, when you're struggling, you're uncomfortable. When you go to a new team and you get called up, you're uncomfortable. But don't change who you are. Um, another thing is kind of really having them work underneath the baseball there. But most of the stuff I do with with those drills and moving towards the machine is like, okay, relax the body and get that confidence. It makes get perfect the, sense. Trust. Yeah, it makes so. perfect sense. Derek Jeter now owns your team, the Marlins. He does. Now. He does. Are you – kind of skeptical or nervous of the direction of the organization right now because i feel like at least being portrayed in the media i don't even know what's going on down there i mean from a player's perspective um we're excited you know change is always good um you know marlins fans aren't happy that they're getting rid of everybody but that gives them a good opportunity from a minor league's perspective it's opening up for us and so it's exciting it's it's good to kind of get a fresh start with these new coordinators with the new new player development and then i mean at the end of the day like i'm gonna be able to say in 20 years Derek jeter was my boss yeah like (laughs) for a little bit Derek jeter was my boss and that's something me and riley were talking about is you know you're gonna meet him in spring training and like you know 
I don't care what you say. It's Derek Jeter, so like you're gonna be like that little kid's gonna come out, but you know you gotta calm it down a little bit. Yeah. And be like, oh hey man, like, what's going on? <laughs> um, so you know it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a fun spring training. Um, I'm looking forward to it, and you know, like I said, just that's the big key of playing every day and getting through a, a minor league season is how are you going to have fun every day? How are you going to, how are you going to affect people around you? And that's really what it's all about. So one last question, then we'll let you get going here. I know you want to go see King James tonight in the Cavs. Um, if there's one pitcher you could catch, who would it be? Big league guy? Anybody, anybody. Like all time? Yeah. I mean, they got to probably at least be alive, but yeah. I mean, all time, probably Randy Johnson. I don't know. Okay. I saw like that, that thing on MLB network about him and he just seems like a, like a goofy dude, but he was such a competitor. Like he was just, Dude, that guy had to be scary to hit against. Yeah. I mean, you know, and especially young in his career, he had no idea where it was going. So that would be fun <laughs> to catch. So I'd say probably him as in, as far as, you know, I'd like to catch him when he's young, when he's all over the place, a little bit of a challenge, and then catch him when he's dominant. That okay. 20 so same, same, same guy back yeah. then, even when he was in his 40s. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say right now, probably, you know, probably go with, Clayton Kershaw just because he's dominating right now and you know I'd like to I'd like that challenge of see what you got big dog yeah let's let's see if I can handle you you know let's let's see if I belong so yeah I'd say probably those two guys all right man well hey really appreciate you coming on um good luck to you this upcoming spring I know you're leaving pretty soon too right yeah like 17 days I think so yeah we're getting ready it's earlier and earlier every year yeah it's jumping on us but it's good you know we're ready to get out of this cold weather and uh and get it going but yeah thank you for for having me on and you know for for parents and really kids listening to this it's good stuff um you know i've been i've been driving around a lot lately and this is kind of what i listen to in my car and you know what you're doing is is really good it's you're getting good guys on here that are are talking about a lot of good stuff and like i'm learning um i appreciate it man it's really you know if you if you do listen to this if if you know someone who doesn't listen to it have them listen to it especially high school kids i mean we the guys you're bringing on here that's where they want to be right um and you're you're asking good questions and like it's good knowledge that it's something that looking back like i I really wish i would have had um so thank you for for kind of taking taking your time and and getting us all on here and helping give back to to all these high school guys hey man I, i appreciate it that's what that's what we're trying to do just help the you know that's why a lot of the questions i ask is you know for upcoming players because you're there where they want to be so no better person to ask so yeah, i appreciate I mean, it man especially you know when you're on espn make sure you have me on there a couple <laughs> times, so. hey man i appreciate it yep